1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. Welcome back to the Weird Wide Web, episode fucking nine. Nine! We did it! We made it to nine! I don't know how. It's a milestone. Nine is a great number. It is. It's kind of like an upside down six. Oh. Nine is the lone... I mean, it's it's not a lot, but it's nine. Why was eight afraid of seven? Because... Nine is the loneliest number. <laughs> yes. Well, we got an exciting episode because in a podcast about the internet, yes. it was inevitable. It, it was, was inevitable. It was nine inevitable. That what are we going to do? We're going to talk about porn. I mean, it, it consumes the internet. It really does. It really does. I'm surprised it took us so long to talk about porn. I mean, we, we've dabbled. A, a, a tip of the toe. A dip of the toe in the porn pool. Porn pool. <laughs> ah, <laughs> oh, I could smell that from here. But specifically, we're t- talking about ourfirsttime.com. And maybe you can put yourself, your, your mind... Go into your mind palace and think back to your first time. Because I thought back to mine. And I was like, oh, that sucked. Uh, what? <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, we, we know nothing about this subject. Yeah, I this have is, no idea. I, I am a man of Jeebus. <laughs> Jeebus. Jeebus creepers. <laughs> Jeebus creepers. Praise Jeebus creepers. <laughs> but yeah, so we're talking porn. And like, specifically late 90s internet and there's many of these different kind of like sites it's the dot-com boom you know it's the dot-com bubble when everybody's experimenting and seeing what they can do a big thing about in this time was people uh domain squatting so basically just buying up as many domains of like popular things and like uh, butthole.com like, like butthole.com Actually, one really famous one, whitehouse.com. A dude bought whitehouse.com because the actual White House was whitehouse.gov, and he turned it into a porn site. Wow. Yeah. Power move. Power move indeed. And they tried to get it taken down, and there was a bunch of discussion about free speech, and there were categories like hot secretaries. We're talking like peak Clinton scandal, you know, so hot topic right Ah. there and it finally got to the point where he took it down and redirected it to the actual white house when his son was entering school and he's like i can't have him finding that (laughs) so so he made this big stink all these years of just literally hosting a porn site and getting paid for it too i'm pretty sure he made like millions off of it but we're not talking about whitehouse.com we're talking ourfirsttime.com so let's get into it (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> the internet is a vast landscape of information 
personal connection, innovation, and exploration. And we're done. But mainly, <laughs> it's porn. We're done, right? What do you mean? It's our first time that it, we're done. It was that quick. Yeah. But now we have another two hours of just shame and apologizing. I don't, I don't, I swear that never happens to me. Uh, I don't think. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I, I kind of vividly remember it was really shitty and in a bathroom and then people were banging on the door at the bathroom and I had to hide in the shower. But that's also has to do with my uh, toxic selection of partners. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Definitely say that. Definitely made a lot of r- terrible choices at a very young age. Oh, yeah. This is also a great time to say hi to our listeners in Rome. <laughs> Just fast forward. I mean, rewind. How do you skip past? Skip, have, listen to this and then have skipped forward, please. Bye, Mom. <laughs> There's a bunch of people going, the, what, what's wrong with the Italians here? <laughs> Why are the Italians? Why, what do they have against the Italians? But anyway, in the best exemplification of sex sells, the internet was born. Starting with paid sites sharing blurry images to subscription-based platforms where you can give money to the girl that dances on TikTok to see her in a bikini. Sex sells. And the internet runs on it. But unlike the structured outlets we have to get off to today, the internet of the late 90s was the Wild West. But few sites quite captured the innocence, the beauty, the pure magic of two lovers' first connection. No sites did it other than OurFirstTime.com. And no sites capitalized on it. On July 18, 1998, OurFirstTime.com came online and the world was introduced to the two 18-year-old virgins, Diane and Mike. Promoted as a free public service educational website, it promised an exclusive documentation of two lovers preparing and planning for their loss of virginity. Site visitors could read about the two lovebirds as they waited for the inevitable grand finale, when the two would lose their virginity live for all of the internet to see. That is, for all the people who paid to see. With an understandable influx of visitors, the site was quickly crippled and went down many times over. They needed to find a partner to help them keep going, but strangely, they didn't want to work with anyone in the porn industry. And at the time, those were the only ones coming to help them out. (laughs) You dirty fucker. And I'm just going to give you... There's not much... Just give it to me. I'll just give it to you. I'll give it to you. Now, I want to show you the two main protagonists of our story, Mike and Diane, our two 18-year-old lovebirds. A little thing about Mike and Diane. It's, there's still some tidbits on the internet uh, of this story. I kind of discovered it through an old Wired article on it, and you can go to the Wayback Machine. Uh, a lot of information came from our favorite Wang. Wang on YouTube. Uh, he did an r- excellent, excellent uh, video on it that is really, really good. But yeah, I, would, I just want to give you a picture of Mike and Diane. So as we go through this website and these lovers' journey, you just have an idea of our 18 year old Mike and Diane. So here's our 18 year old Mike and Diane. What? <laughs> and I've got one more picture for you. 
Uh, this one's kind of great, but here's 18-year-old Mike and Diane. He's joke. If, if you could just give me a little, describe to the viewers this 18-year-old love boat, dream boat couple. This is like uh, if you watch Outer Banks and you're supposed to believe that the actors are in high school. It's just this dude looks like he just destroyed an entire sorority house. And I mean, I mean, physically destroyed the house. He is jacked with like a 12 pack, like a bleach blonde, bowl cut, long but cool looking hair. And then uh, the other girl looks like uh, the other girl. <laughs> the other girl <laughs> he kind of looks like a girl. I mean, jacked. he's a he's jacked. Yeah. He's a handsome fellow. Um, I take his V card, but I don't think it's there anymore. But that's beside the point. Um. What's her name? The other one looks... That's Diane. Yeah, Diane looks exactly like... What's her name? Vicky Valancourt from The Waterboy. Oh, yes! 100%. Looks just like her, except a little older. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. So that's our freshly graduated 18-year-old virgins that we got going on there, <laughs> Mike and Diane. But... Who was making these decisions for this website? One man, Oscar Wells. Our first time was not created by Diane or Mike. In fact, it was not even told from their viewpoint. Managing to be the strangest part of a website about two 18-year-olds publicly journaling their way to losing their V-card, it was presented through Oscar Wells and his brilliant idea. He writes on the website. I mean, just, oof, just buckle up for this. Recently, I watched the live birth of a baby on the internet. Later, I wound up in a chat room where the topic was about the live birth. As expected, there were arguments and opinions from every corner of the country. There was one young woman named Diane who made a comment that caught my attention. She said that she thought the live birth was a wonderful and amazing experience. The only problem that he, she has is that most people think the live birth was beautiful. But if a couple was shown, the, shown live on the internet in the act of conceiving a child, then most people would call that obscene. She finished by saying, If I could, I would lose my virginity live on the internet, just to show that the act of conceiving a child is just as beautiful as the delivery. I contacted Diane by email and introduced myself. I am a website developer and asked her if she was serious about letting the world watch, as she loses her virginity. I met with Diane and her boyfriend, Mike, also a virgin fucking nerd <laughs> and we discussed this radical idea after two weeks diane and mike decided that this is something they feel passionate about and have agreed to allow the world to follow them for the next 18 days every day on this website their lives will be chronicled in pictures and text as they climb the pinnacle of self-expression and make their worldwide statement of love when they consummate their relationship on the internet. This is like a movie. It's almost a little, I guess, 
more glorifying than uh like a look at showing a virgin lose her virginity uh-huh. i'm thinking like taken when she's getting sold for like millions to yeah. lose her virginity that that's the vibe i got i read that and i just i i think we should make an announcement now hey if a man contacts you on the internet about losing your virginity don't walk away don't respond don't email him don't meet up with your boyfriend mike I, he's jacked so maybe he probably beat up this oscar he, guy probably beat up this oscar guy this old man who contacted you just stop just don't don't do that don't do that no it was the 90s everything was innocent it was pre-9-11 no one was doing anything bad <laughs> pre-9-11 pre-whitney houston's death we're like we're living large we're watching live birth on the internet because that was the thing oh, i yeah. guess was that a thing i don't i, I don't know i've seen some weird shit on the internet but that's a lot live birth is like live Ooh. and imagine like the webcams they used to have yeah they go i think that is that the i think loading? that's the bit hold, hold on get off the phone mom mom wait till seven my minutes won't be free until then <laughs> i'm trying to watch this live birth and talk to this 18 year old virgin girl <laughs> i'm assuming he lives with his mom i just yeah so yeah that's the kind of premise so basically this whole website is is not like Mike and Diane kind of journaling their way. It's Oscar being like, like interviewing them. It's like, is it awkward for you when you guys got your AIDS test? What? Yeah, well, they got their AIDS test. They picked out their condoms. You know, they're doing all the stuff you do to prepare for, for uh, losing your V-card. Yeah, our first time. Our, our first time our, is almost open to it's everyone communal. now. Yeah. That Oscar, and then he's bringing in everyone from the internet, so we're all a part of this. Mm-hmm. Our collective first time. Exactly. And we're just living through Mike's rock-hard 12 Rock-hard fucking Robbing abs. wiener. <laughs> so with the formulation of the idea, Oscar Wells, web designer, got to designing the site and pushing it out to the world. They were right. The idea was a resounding hit and was flooded with interested users. Granted, many at the time poked fun or mocked the site due to its insistence of being a PSA for young teens and not just porn. Even a parody site quickly popped up called OurFirstAnalSex.com, pushing valuable life lessons such as getting nice and drunk before doing the deed so your partner would seem more attractive. Despite all of this, though, the loving couple and their creepy uncle-like web designer Oscar pushed on. Through word of mouth and a few major news articles, the site quickly reached its hosting limit. To keep the sexy dream alive, they needed a business partner. And with no other options, the trio bit the bullet and partnered the Internet Entertainment Group. Are you familiar with them, their work at all? Who? The Internet Entertainment Group. Internet I-E-G. Well, we're going to get into it, so don't you worry. I was just wondering if you... Because they were kind of a big deal. Are they the ones who put up Meatspin.com? No, no. Never did know who did that. Maybe. Next time. Maybe. Next (laughs) time. The Internet Entertainment Group, or I-E-G, was the veritable pioneer of the early 90s dot-com bubble in the porn industry. Created by Seth Twarshevsky, with the money he made from the phone sex business he had, he launched the site 
clublove.com, which was essentially a live peep show on the internet in which you could pay a monthly fee and by hour to watch performers and pay extra to call in and instruct them on what you would like them to do. Seth would become, Seth would go on to become the public face of the online porn industry. He testified in front of Senate on a hearing revolving around internet indecency. He was also featured in Time Magazine as one of 50 original pioneers of the internet among people like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. With the industry knowledge and financial backing like Seth's, he was the perfect savior to come in and agree to host OurFirstTime.com. That is, as long as IEG would inherit the exclusive rights to the video of Diane and Mike. With few options, OurFirstTime.com agreed to the terms, and Diane and Mike pushed forward toward the climactic event. Our first time was cooking with gas now. With IEG on their side, they had the proper hosting, access to professional equipment, and the confidence to push on. Updates came rolling out. Oscar by their side, asking them about their feelings towards preparations and giving Mike cheeky shoulder, ma- shoulder massages. Wait, Oscar's giving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a picture of him like playfully giving him a shoulder massage. Oh, no. Yeah. He's great. They're just pals. They're just are buddies. They, are they sitting on a couch? What? Are they sitting on a couch? No, a bed. Oh, straight to it. <laughs> straight to it. I mean, you saw the picture. I'd give Mike fucking sh- shoulder massages <laughs> they'd probably just break your hands with his <laughs> back muscles they're flying high but like Icarus to the sun they would quickly and violently come crashing down to the ground <laughs> what, a, what a great mythological reference to 90s porn I love it <laughs> soon the whole site would come crumbling to nothing and all at the hands of their once savior IEG shortly after partnering with the love Birds and Wells, IEG posted a blog post to their main site, clublove.com. The post was scathing towards the trio and their deceiving ways. IEG exposed the whole ordeal as a giant money-making hoax. They explained that Wells's whole plan was to gate the final coitus and charge everyone $5 to watch. Then, end the show before any penetration occurred. IEG instantly cut ties with the site and shamed them. The pieces then began collapsing rapidly. Our pure and innocent pair of lovebirds, Mike and Diane, were discovered to be Ty Taylor and Michelle Parma. Ty was described as an out-of-work background actor and was currently 23 at the time. Damn it. Michelle would not reveal her age, as it was Hollywood, but had some airtime on MTV's Road Rules and was previously a Dallas Stars cheerleader. Oh. Definitely nothing you could have found out. (laughs) (laughs) Oscar Wells was revealed to be Ken Tipton, a self-described entrepreneur and video store clerk. This did not deter Ken Tipton, however. He was adamant the event was not a hoax and pushed to hold a press conference. With no hint of irony, Ken began a press conference in front of a wall of condoms of all varieties. The meeting was held at the store Condomania, which was on brand and their new host and partner to keep the good bones going. 
with angry reporters screaming, It was a con, and you're a liar! Ken pushed on to explain their stance. He explained that it wasn't a hoax, merely an internet soap opera. They never set out to deceive or defraud anyone. This was a noble cause to educate kids about sex and abstinence. He also revealed his plans to sue IEG for their defamation, a lawsuit that, once finally reaching court after many years, was quickly dismissed. <laughs> From there, the idea lay dead in the water. However, the depths of the hoax went even deeper. Our first time was not just a scam to make a quick buck off the hornier internet users in Skip Town. It was far greater of a concept than that. The whole event was a publicity stunt devised by Ken to drum up interest for his new film, Heart of the Beholder, a film telling the story of family-run video cassette tape rental store in St. Louis in 1980. The family was ruined by a corrupt prosecutor who had been blackmailed by a religious group because the family refused to remove Martin Scorsese's controversial film, The Last Temptation of Christ, from their stores. The film would be written and directed by Tipton, and the premise was loosely based on his life. Be kind, rewind. Something right, like that, still, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jack Black was in the running. Yeah. Diving into the film's website, we uncover more information about our first time, the players involved, and the proper unfolding of events. We can find most of this information on two in-memoriam pages, one for Ken's mentor, director Robert Wise, and sadly, one for Michelle Parma. Robert Wise's page speaks to him being the inspiration to Ken for the publicity stunt, a way to open doors in Hollywood for him to get his movie made. It was also in homage to Orson Welles' 1930 radio show, War of the Worlds. I knew, I knew that whole Welles, Oscar Welles, you knew sounded there was familiar. there, yeah. That almost snuck by you. Oscar Welles, Orson Welles. I almost got it. It takes a keen eye. I uh, thought, at first, I thought it was the Oscar Mayer wieners. Yeah. But... We're classy, and we talk about Greek mythology when we're talking about porn. <laughs> so of course, it's Orson Welles. Yeah, of course. Ken, huh? Huh? <laughs> Ken took that advice and focused his efforts on the internet, the newest and most popular form of communication at the time. With invaders from space already taken as a publicity stunt, Ken brainstormed what would be the next best thing to get millions of people talking. He landed on sex. As the memoriam states, Yes, sex. The bane of conservatives and the delight of liberals. After all, this was 1998, and the Monica Lewinsky-President Clinton sex scandal was going absolutely bananas. That was written in a memoriam. Oh, wow. Michelle Parma's In Memoriam is a sprawling page of text explaining every tiny detail of the publicity stunt and doing very little to remember her as a person. It's uh, Honestly, it's like 12 pages of text all about explaining our first time. And like, Michelle was a great person and unfortunately passed at like the bottom. Damn. It's terrible. It does give us a very different explanation 
of the events that occurred with our first time. Most notably, it states that Seth and IEG were the ones who wanted to impose the $5 fee, not Ken. It explains that Ken would, would make money off the site. After all, he was a trying to acquire funding for his film. However, he planned on doing this through partnerships with companies like Planned Parenthood, Trojan Commons. Commons? The Trojan Commons. It's our first time. And the AIDS Fund and others promoting safe and responsible sex. According to the write-up, Ken's refusal to charge the fee was what instigated Seth's reveal of the hoax and proceeded to reroute all of the our first time traffic to clublove.com. We also learned that as the site proceeded with Condomania, their founder, Adam Glickman, presented Ken with another avenue for revenue. With the negative attention from IAG, no respected brands were willing to partner with Ken. On Adam's advice, they began selling their demographic data to marketing companies, just like names and emails, basically. Through this new partnership, Ken was able to get his magnum opus, Heart of the Beholder, made. The memoriam explains the details of his court battles with Seth and the harassment that Ken and Michelle received following the stunt's reveal. This had pushed Michelle to leave Hollywood and return to Dallas eventually. A few years later, Michelle tragically passed in an auto accident. So yeah, it, it's, I mean, it is pages and pages and pages. So to go back a little bit, Seth, who is, I, they called him like the Prince of Porn or something, like, he was a huge, huge figure. Most notably, his company was the one who released and hosted the Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee sex tape. Ooh. Um, there was another, there was like another Pamela Anderson sex tape that he released, and then some photos of another doctor. That, like, he's been in multiple, multiple scandals. And he, they originally partnered with him because he was trying to promote free speech on the internet. So he's like, yeah, I'll host you. This is great. Let's do it. Then, according to them, he was like, well, you should charge them $5 as like an adult verification fee. And Ken was like, this is a publicity stunt. Like, I'm not going to charge money for it. And that's the reason they're like, this is a scam. This is a hoax. Ken does admit in this memoriam that it probably wasn't a smart idea for when interviewers called him like reporters called him during the time of our first time that he interviewed as oscar wells and not ken tipton but they explain pretty reasonably that the reporters should have known this was all a publicity stunt because they did things like put stuff in quotation marks on the site so obviously duh duh what were you thinking uh but yeah so he did try and sue Seth for defamation. Um, it was a couple of years. Then it got thrown away. Then he had the chance to appeal. But at that point, Seth had fled the country because he owed something like $50 million to Pamela Anderson. So he, flew, he fled the country to like Thailand and was like, I got enough money to survive here for like 50 years. Wow. Yeah. IEG, man. Pinnacle of porn. Scummy 90. Early 2000s. Yeah, it's coming. I, though, I will say, Club Love, as your first online porn site, pretty brilliant. I mean, it's, based, it's, like, it's like cam girls. So, yeah, Club Love, not to be confused with Club Penguin. 
No, no. Same amount of porn though on both of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But one was, one was a phone in kind of thing. Oh, God. But yeah, I mean, in 1998, you're live streaming like strip shows. It's pretty with advanced. Dial up. Yeah. And then you could the call in and loading. direct them. That's like more interaction than OnlyFans, I'm told. <laughs> Wait, so that's hilarious. So, on topic, off topic. In college, one of my buddies, um, new girl from home that um, was doing porn mm-hmm. uh, website, and she was a cam girl. So one time, like all of us in the dorm room, like log on to see what's going on. Just like five guys surrounding this little computer watching at this girl. And then he was texting her. And so in like the cam, we were seeing her like answering and we're like, this is amazing. And it was just so crazy to think. But it was funny because I was like, he just knew her. He didn't have to pay for it. And I was just like, all these guys around the world can be doing this, but they're paying to do the same exact thing. Yeah. Which is crazy. And that was, I mean, 2012. Yeah. Guys are doing it in the late 90s. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty advanced. Yeah. I mean, I would even say I'd understand more for the dudes in the late 90s, in like the late 90s doing it. Because 2012, yeah, you could have just FaceTime her. There's <laughs> so much, like FaceTime, Skype, like there's so many other options. Like, 98 man that's like what else you got you got you've you've got clublove.com where you're paying multiple fees i mean there was a subscription then you paid by the hour that you paid extra if you had to phone them multiple or you're just finding some porn in the woods in a box <laughs> yeah which happens to everybody everyone everybody that's i was done with mine i put it in the woods yeah. is that why i like birds so much probably what what do you mean you like birds so much i guess that's the type of porn i stumbled on in the woods bird porn yeah not boy tars (laughs) (laughs) anyways so yeah that was a bit of backstory i think it's kind of crazy this whole event i mean they had millions of people the la times did an article on them chicago tribune i think did an article on them Stuff like that. So that's the mystery? No. It was it's just kind of like an event. That it was solved. Yeah. It was a mystery at the time. Or not, not a mystery at the time. I guess the mystery was everybody looked at it and said, those two are 18? <laughs> and that was the mystery. That was the mystery. And it was turned out it wasn't. But hey, we got a bit more. Oh! Yeah. With Heart of the Beholder wrapped up, Ken could move on to better and brighter things. However, the dark cloud of scandal would closely follow him. Ken had married one of the producers from Heart of the Beholder, Darlene Leiblich, now Darlene Tipton. Darlene had started working for Fox and stayed with them for years until she was fired in 2014. A headline from the Time states, Veteran Fox TV executive fired over fundraising campaign for relatives of missing Malaysia plane passengers. This, of course, in reference to the missing Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 that disappeared without a trace and still, to this day, has never been located. In emails revealed to the public, Darlene had emailed one of the girlfriends of one of the missing passengers, 
In the email, Darlene questions whether the missing man's family considered her to be family, and was she receiving any survivor benefits? Emailed her from her Fox email, might I add. Damn Darlene. Damn Darlene. Darlene does Dallas. Initially, these were ignored by the girlfriend uh, as scam emails. She thought she was people yeah. were trying to get money the old from Nigerian her. Nigerian prince. Yeah. Turns out just Darlene. However, they continued to persistently arrive in her mailbox. Then, at one point, Darlene revealed that she had known what had happened to the airline passengers. Specifically, she stated her husband, Ken, was having prophetic visions about what had happened. In a now inaccessible video posted to YouTube, Ken sits in a hospital rambling on about hallucinations, then crying, then asking if this is real. Taken off YouTube. But, again, thanks to Wang, I have some clips from it that oh, I can show you. We so found it! We, we have some of it. We have some of it that I'm going to play for you because it's just too... It's just too great. First of all, there he is again. Just the man, the myth, the legend, Ty. Even 23. That, I'm, that's still a mystery. I, it's, you know. Having some technical difficulty. Oh, what the fuck is this starting? <laughs> oh, this, is, this has got to be a, an illusion. It's, this has got to be the. This has got to be. This has got to be the pills, the medicine. I am hallucinating. This is not real. I got a strange question to ask you. Is this real? Is this real what's happening right now? What is real? That's my problem. I don't know. I don't know if what I'm seeing. What are you seeing right now? I'm seeing. Yeah, so. Posted to YouTube at one point, his prophetic visions of what had happened to the Malaysia 370 flight. You mean David after the dentist? <laughs> what is real? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. What is real? Is this real? Malaysia370.com. Yeah. Classy. Unsurprisingly, this was all a ploy to make a movie about the flight's disappearance. The film was based on this following idea. During a meeting of high-level associates at Fox, Darlene would become aware of a secret Chinese thumb drive smuggled to them. Supposedly, this drive contained unseen pictures, videos, and documents about the flight. The material of the drive would reveal who hijacked the flight and what went wrong, and most importantly, what China had to answer for. They were also going to connect the flight's disappearance to the Chinese harvesting of organs from prisoners. The couple also had plans to crowdfund the movie and provide backers with commemorative coins. That was the Malaysia370.com. That was their crowdfunding site. What? Yeah. Yeah, so if you backed it, you would get this, like, Missing flight, Malaysia 370 coin. So fucked. Also, the whole, like, organ thing, not, not to spoil anything. 
Yeah. Sounds a lot like Squid Game. What? Was that BTS? They're stealing organs from uh, children? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. I'm up to date. <laughs> Netflix top 10. What you got? Uh, what you got? I, well, I watched. I definitely saw an article about it. <laughs> yeah. Coco Melon? Yep. I know all about it. Those are also words that are real. Our first time. <laughs> Our first time.com. According to the crowdfunding's website's last post, on a trip to Australia by Darlene to secure more funding for the film, she was stopped and questioned by agents of the U.S. government. At the insistence of her lawyer, she was advised to abandon the project, and they would return all of the donations. So that was, that was their reasoning for not making the film. I mean, the real reason is, is she got fired, and that it's a horrible, terrible way to make a movie about okay. grieving families speaking of when is that um the thai soccer team in the cave movie coming out <laughs> just, just as soon as we scan them into giving us our story <laughs> every movie the chilean miners had a fucking movie um it, i mean it's kind of inevitable once you see something bad happen you're just like oh someone's going for the movie right oh yeah but they were just doing it in such a like skeevy way. Like they weren't trying to buy rights. There was, I mean, yeah, even with the Malaysia stuff, there were tons and tons of lawyers going after grieving widows and just to buy the rights to their stories and stuff like that. But yeah, I never saw the Chilean minor one. Is it just like two hours of them sitting in a dark hole and then they get lifted up? See? <laughs> But yeah, so that's the weathered story of old Ken Tipton and ourfirsttime.com. What a tease. What a tease. What a tease. Your little cock tease. So he ended up releasing the script that they were going to follow. <laughs> Mike and Diane are getting into it, you know, never more than just reveal, like, in their underwear, like, never getting into that. And then they decide not to do it. And then in the script, it is supposed to pan over to Ken sitting in a chair. And then he gives a monologue about abstaining or some bullshit. Abstinence is cool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. I, when I read that fact, I just thought it was so funny. Because the whole time I'm reading about this, it's just so funny that it's like, oh, yeah, these two hot young teens are going to lose their virginity. and. I'm here too. I'm 43. <laughs> but then in the script, he's just sitting there watching. Yeah. It <laughs> pants to him, no pants on. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> Never down to more than our underwear, right, guys? <laughs> Abstinence is cool. <laughs> Abstinence is cool, guys. But voyeur is cooler. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, ah, it's a wild one. It's one of the biggest, like, the way that most kind of discovered this true story and uh, the discovery of Heart of the Beholder, there's a website called Museum of Hoaxes. It basically categorizes online hoaxes and or like real hoaxes, fake images, stuff like that. And on the write-up about ourfirsttime.com, there's one comment from Darlene. 
And it was like, this isn't the true story. If you want to read about the true story, click on these links. And it links to Heart of the Beholder's website and the memoriams. Yeah. And it was a film. I think I really want to do like a watch party of the film. Oh, it, it's a real film. It was made. There, I would watch there it. There are people in it. I would definitely watch People that have made other films. Yeah. So what I'm really taking from this is uh, IEG, scummy fucking production company. Yeah. And Condomania, good guys. Condomania, good guys. IEG, the, if you're going to do something, make a movie. Know what production company you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't use IEG. Use someone reputable, you know? Like, like Bright Light Productions. You know. The great production company behind the summer of 84. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a way to bring it in. Listen, I, that might be one of my favorite left field summer of 84 references. I was very confused. I was like, bright light. I mean, it was like, it was the 90s, so bright lights were a thing. But I didn't know that they made movies or porn. Nope, they made classics. Yeah, classics. Just absolute winners. Old Pammy and Tommy Lee and our first time. You know who I, I didn't look up uh, Ty. I didn't look up what he got into after this. Yeah, what does he look like? Probably that. I mean, people like that don't. They don't age. They just look that buff and great. What if, like, full, he was on the flight? <laughs> he was on the flight to Malaysia? Yeah. From Malaysia? It wasn't going to Malaysia. It just was Malaysia. Yeah, it was Malaysian Airlines, right? Yeah. I don't Malaysian know Airlines, flight 370. <laughs> like, its location, <laughs> unknown. Oh, God. Whoops. Yeah. It, I, I think this is such a fun one, because it just keeps going. It's just like you think it's done. It's like weird internet site where they're gonna two eighteen year olds are gonna stream fucking who's who's seen that before? It's beautiful, and then it's like oh, it's a hoax. Oh, fun, it's a hoax. Oh, it's for a movie. Oh, it's for this weird dude. <laughs> like it just keeps going and going and going. Ken Tipton, what a guy! What a guy! Him and his prophetic hallucinations. Is this real? Is this, is this real? And I think there's only one way to end this. And it's with me giving you a little reading of the final lines of dialogue between Mike and Diane. Ooh. Mike, I fell in love with you the first time I saw your pigtails in sixth grade. Diane, and I loved those baggy jeans you had. Mike, from that moment on, I knew I'd be with you for the rest of my life. I love you so much that I can wait another four years. Can you? Diane, that's the most romantic thing you've ever said. I would wait for you forever. Panda Ken. Ken gives the speech pantless. And everybody's pissed off because they just paid $5 to watch two 20-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> fool around for 10 minutes and then some weird old dude with no pants give them a speech about you should wait until after college. <laughs> Not even to marriage. They said four yeah, years. Four I years. wait four years. He's just waiting till college is done. That erection is the same time as an election. <laughs> you think he had? He just maintained his erection for four years. Oh I, my! God. I can wait. I would like to not because this is painful. <laughs> yeah. But 
That'd be like any 18 year old. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm, I'll just, I'll just tuck I, I it can, in my belt. I can wave to you. I love, I love you. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to clublove.com when I get home. <laughs> See you later, Diane. I mean, one thing, one thing is for sure. We may not know Michelle's real age, but we know that they are both AIDS-free. As they waited. No, because they took AIDS tests. <laughs> and that's the lovely story of OurFirstTime.com. And what a magical time of the decade that was. Yeah. So much was going on. Whitehouse.com, Our First Time, old Lewinsky and Clinton. It's a really exciting time for the internet, I yeah. think, as a whole. I think this story just sums it up. Just like your first time, it was probably planned out. Didn't go exactly well, so you kind of just rolled into it, said we'll get them next time, and then you in the shower. <laughs> fight or flight, baby. Oh, oh, flight. I get it. Yeah, like Icarus. <laughs> and Malaysia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they... No, I don't want to make that joke. No. I don't want to make that joke. I feel like they weren't... They didn't... Not much flight. I, I Nope. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> what, the engines? <laughs> Who knows? We'll have to check that uh, USB drive. It must have been carrying all those organs. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks again, Niall, for joining me on another spicy, sexy round she dive into the weird wide web. Thank you for letting me be a part of our first time. Yeah, our first time together as one. We're sitting on each other's laps. If you've got any weird, wide porn stories for us <laughs> at our raunchy porn If you want to tell us about your first time. <laughs> yeah, email us. Email us at weirdwidewebpod at gmail.com, and we'll read your first time. <laughs> or you can follow us on Instagram at weirdwideweb.pod and link us to a picture of your first time. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. Oh, no, God. No, no, no. Oh, what a terrible thing to say. I have canceled myself. Or if you would like to. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Wide Web Pod for all your weird wide web suggestions and updates and links. Bye.